Welcome to Sharing the Spectrum, an Autism Canada podcast, an engaging series of discussions about relevant topics, including parenting, relationships, employment, education, nutrition, and so much more. We look forward to introducing you to people from our ASD community and sharing their perspectives on life and autism. And now, please enjoy this episode of Sharing the Spectrum, an Autism Canada podcast. Today, I'm welcoming Katie Andy to the podcast. Katie is a mother to three children, two of whom are on the spectrum, and she's a fierce autism advocate. You may know her from her Facebook channel, A Journey for Avery, where she shares about her family and their journey and experiences. Katie, thanks for taking some time to speak with me. I'm super excited about this conversation, and I know we have so much to talk about. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I love this. This is great. Uh, a little bit about myself. I am just a mom. And I and I say that because everyone who connects with us and follows us on our, you know, autism journey or advocacy, I don't know what we want to call it. We'll call it journey for today. You know, they always label me with all of these things like that. I'm, I'm an advocate and I'm a this and I'm, you know, and that our family, all the things our family does and things like that. And the thing is, is that first of all, I'm a mom. And that's how originally my journey with all of this started was just being a mom to Avery before autism came into our life, before he got diagnosed. That's all I was, was a mom. And then, um, you know, as our journey continued, I had Avery, my oldest, um, who now is 10, going to be 11 here next week. Just crazy. And uh, Avery, at a very, very young age, got diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And at that time, they actually diagnosed him uh, nonverbal, which, of course, for me was really, really hard because I Googled. And that is something I tell families, don't do. Don't be like me. Don't Google. Uh, you know, so I Googled and and I felt really, really sad. I, uh, you know, looking back now, how far Avery, my oldest, has come, I think, how silly was that to be sad? How, how silly, you know? But I had to go through the emotions. And I just remember Googling nonverbal autism and kind of like this whole, you know, flash, uh, you could say, kind of was in my head of like him not graduating, him not getting married, him not having kids, like all of those things seemed so important that he wasn't going to experience those things. Um, he wasn't going to have friends. Like it was so crazy now looking back, but, but at the time I Googled and it was a horrible thing to do, but, um, continuing on in our journey, we ended up, um, after I had Avery, I had, uh, my daughter, Natalie and Natalie is our middle child and she is atypical and she is a fierce little, little thing. She is literally a mini me, which is, which is wonderful, you know, and she just turned eight and she's going on 16. So that's been fun. Both Avery and Natalie, actually, when COVID happened, uh, we decided to homeschool our kids. I was one of those moms that were like, yeah, I can homeschool. This is going to be great. I'm not a great homeschool teacher. I will admit that to everyone. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not a teacher, but I attempted it and got brave enough to not attempt it, you know, just for a few weeks, but we did it for one year, two year, and now we're still in it. So I don't know what's wrong with me, but we're still doing it. In the mix of all of that wildness, we have our youngest son, Jackson, and Jackson is five, turning six here in March. And just this past year, he got diagnosed on the spectrum and also got diagnosed with uh, PICA. And 
ADHD. So Jackson is our wild child, I would say, the the best way I can put it. Uh, Full of spunk and as wild as they come. Incredibly smart. It it little worries me that he's five and that he knows how to pronounce all the dinosaurs in a dinosaur book uh, properly and knows the habitat they live in and everything else. Um, He's incredibly smart, but very much struggles in social situations. And when there isn't a lack of, or when there isn't a routine present in our life or, or plans change. So he is the one that surprised us. And when I say that, you know, I want you to know that when I had Avery, I knew something was going on. Avery, Avery, you know, was a slow walker, a slow talker. We saw that, you know, him hand flapping at a very early age with our oldest son, Avery. It was like autism was yelling in our face, like, I'm here. Like, it, it was it was much more clear to us that Avery was going to get a diagnosis of autism, where with our son, Jackson... It really wasn't. It wasn't clear until we started seeing aggression and until we saw him really struggle in social situations and there was a lack of eye contact. There were so many things, but it was just, it was a little bit different. And what made it harder between the two boys to get diagnosed, Avery was fairly easy to get diagnosed because he was nonverbal. Jackson was harder to get diagnosed because he could tell you all of the things. He could tell you everything. And, you know, I hate when people compare, but I always say that Jackson, you know, would be one of those, one of those kids or one of those teens on one of those shows. Now those autism shows, the the good doctor, something like that, because just like insanely smart, but you just wouldn't know. And, and it always makes me think of now, you know, you meet one child or one teen or one adult with autism, that's what you've met as one because it is such a huge spectrum. And it was really, really hard for our family to understand that because we did years of Avery. Avery and then we had our daughter Natalie and she was atypical and it was like we as a family unit were programmed and used to severe nonverbal autism that's what we knew and I was like we have this we're mastered and then Jackson came along and it was like oh boy we don't have this what is happening like we didn't really know how to function as a family unit because Jackson required so much attention and he was really a flight risk when we went out in the community and Avery also needed someone. So when we would go to the grocery store, I'm pretty sure people stayed grocery shopping just to get a free show. Like, because it was something, oh, it was something to be seen. I used to joke all the time and say, I wonder if they're taping this. Like in the in the grocery store, there's, you know, video cameras, but like, I wonder if they're like adjusting the cameras. Like, let's get a better angle on, you know, this kid like flailing out of the cart. And I always said like, we were their entertainment in this one grocery store we would always go to. And it was, it was the only grocery store I was brave enough to take both of my boys to because there was only one entrance really and one exit. So I I felt very confident in that environment with them when I was doing it by myself. But, you know, it's funny, you know, as our journey has started now years of having Avery and going through the motions and, you know, being more than a mom. And that is really where my page online really comes in is because I didn't want to be just a mom. I will always be a mom and always be a mom first to my kids, but I wanted more because I felt like what I had to say and share with the world might, might do something. 
I, I really, at the time, and even now to this day, I always say to people, I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose by trying to help. I have nothing to lose by making the world a better place. Like you won't know until you try. So every day I get up and I try to make sure that both of my boys and also our community that is in our, you know, local area and then also outwards just gets the chance and gets the opportunity to have supports and be heard and be seen and all the good stuff. And I think that's why, um, you know, that's one of the things that draws me to and, and our organization to you is that that's sort of our mission too, is let's be there to support people and to make sure they're getting the resources they need. And, and that's why I think it's so important to talk to people like you on the podcast, because, well, there's a couple of things. One is that, I mean, you talk about taking your boys to the grocery store and making sure you're going to a store where there's only one entrance and one exit. How many people actually have to think about that, right? It's really important that people understand that that's something that you have to think about when you go anywhere. You have to consider where you're going to go, how you're going to get your kids in, how you're going to get your kids out. I think it's really important to share these stories because I think it's important for people to hear the message. I also think it's really important because you share so much and it's so incredible. And I feel like as a parent who also has a a child who's um, neurodivergent, I think it's really important to have community that even if you don't know the person and they're not, you know, living on your street that you can look to, to say, wow, you know, look at, she can do this. I can do this. When you're having a bad day, it's so amazing to be able to look at your page and say, oh, Katie's having a bad day too, or Katie's having a great day. And look, look what she's been able to accomplish. And I just feel like sharing those conversations with these kinds of conversations with our community is so important. Your grocery store story though, is really It's just sticking in my brain because I bet there's a lot of things like that, that you have to consider when you're going places with your kids that are so, if you were just going with your daughter, you would never have to think about it. Never. And that's actually the interesting part before we had two on the spectrum. When it was just Avery, I always tell people, I honestly felt like superwoman. Like it was this funny thing. I'm like, you know, I was not outnumbered. You know, we right. had bad days and bad moments and situations we avoided. And, and we very much for a very long time, we're on Avery's schedule. If he didn't want to be somewhere, we were leaving. It, it wasn't up for discussion. It wasn't a, we had to go. So, you know, when he was younger, there, there was a point in our life where I felt like I was superwoman and I could, I could go to any grocery store and it, we might be on his time, but you know, we're going to do it because I wasn't outnumbered. Then I had my daughter and my daughter, you know, very quickly became the helper. I never wanted her to be the helper, mm. but she just, she, it's so strange, but like, she loves it. Like she loves showing Avery and Jackson the world. She loves showing them like, look at this, I'm tying my shoes and then see if like they'll do it. Like she wants to be so engaged and just with them. It's amazing. But, you know, as we, you know, went on and and had Jackson, it was really interesting how our life shifted. And I realized that I couldn't do all the things by myself. And if I needed to, so if I needed to go to the grocery store or I needed to go to the gas station, if I needed to go to the bank, whatever it may be, I planned my whole day around that. And like that we were going to bring the stroller in the vehicle and Avery was going to go in the stroller and Jackson was going to have the safety backpack on and one was going to hold my hand. It was like right down to the T and I may only need to go into the grocery store for, you know, three things. And to someone else, it's like, why is that a big deal? 
you know, you just go and, it, and it's fine. But to us, it was like, you know, storyboards of what we were doing and what we were getting. And, and I would set a timer uh, for about two years straight. I would carry a digital timer in my pocket. And I always had to wear pants with pockets. And during that period of time, um, I hated jeans. I hated wearing jeans. So it was a very conflicting time in my life. So I would have to wear anyways, jeans or pants with pockets in them. And I would carry this timer and they, something in the autism you know, world, I guess, for us and maybe someone else that'll be listening to this. When you start something with your kids, you're in, like you're committed, like that's it. And there's not very many times you can adjust something. And that's kind of the way things went with us. So here I had this digital timer and we'd like get out of the vehicle and I would set the digital timer because I knew Avery's limit. And I also knew Jackson's limit. So I was like, I have 17 minutes, not 20, not 15. I have 17 minutes to get in this store and get out. And I would show them. So when Avery was, you know, in the store with us and he would start to get anxious or Jackson would, you can tell by their mannerism that they're ready to leave. I would like whip the timer, digital timer out of my pocket. And I'm like, oh, we have seven minutes left. We have six minutes left. And I would show them and they'd be like, okay. And it was this crazy thing because they wow. both would take a breath and we could finish because they knew it was coming to an end. For them, both of our boys, they both have very hard a hard time in stores that have fluorescent lighting. So to them, it was like reassurance, like mom has the timer and we only have four minutes left, two minutes left. There was one time that back, you know, backfired because a till was closing and, and all of the things. And then I had to buy a, a $50 stuffy. So it really backfired on me that time, but otherwise we've done really, you know, really well with it. I never thought I would be a parent. And I think a lot of people are in that, you know, have that same conversation or have the same thought. You never think it's going to be you. You never think you're going to, you know, you're going to have a child or more than one, you know, that is on the spectrum or, you know, has additional needs. You just don't think that's going to be part of your story or part of your journey. So when it is part of your journey, it is not only a learning curve for yourself to figure out what you need to do to help this little person get through life, but it also is a learning curve for everyone around you. Mm. You have to teach everyone around you how, how your life may look different and may seem different, but different isn't a bad thing and different shouldn't be judged or you know ridiculed. And that's, that's the hardest part. And I think even still to today, our, our family struggles with that. And we have a very hard time with that. You know, I try my hardest to educate and make, you know, our, and I always say this, our autism um, known because what our, you know, our world of autism looks like can be so different than someone else's. So we can really only talk about what we know. And there's only a, really a handful you know, a hand-filled, you know, amount of times where I've talked about other autism. A few years back, I had talked to some university students and a university student had asked me, what, what's other autism? And I said, the autism that we don't live. Right. And I said, people need to be aware that the stories that my family shares is not what everyone goes through. Autism can be much different for girls than it is boys. And there's, you know, a hundred families that live the exact same, almost exact same life as our family lives. And then there's a hundred that have no idea why we go through the things we go through. And 
it's equally important to understand both. It's equally important to um, recognize that what a hard day looks like to us might not be a hard day to somebody else, to another family. But right. they, they, you know, they're equally important and equally important to share the experiences and make sure that families and, and caregivers and, you know, are really heard and seen when they're going through this, because there's a lot of heavy when it comes to autism and it doesn't, you know, doesn't start and it doesn't end the second your kid gets a diagnosis. It goes through their whole entire lifespan. I always say, um, when I'm public speaking that I always say, you know, we'll get over a hurdle and I'll be like, we did it. You know, if it's for my son, Avery, or, you know, my son, Jackson, and then there's another hurdle. Like I, there will always be another hurdle. There will always be another conversation. There will always be something in our journey that I simply don't know the answer to. And, and I wish that I had all the answers to everything, just as I'm sure every parent wishes they knew all the answers to everything, but I don't. And there's something nice about that. There was a mom who told me once that she didn't like that. She wanted to know all the answers to everything. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I said, my biggest tool that I have is other families, other families that can tell me what is going on with either of my boys or just something in general in the autism community. It is nice to have community and a diverse amount of opinions and outlooks on everything. I think it's beautiful. Other people don't like it. They, they like, you know, everyone to have the same opinion, but, but I think in autism, I don't think you can. I, I really don't. I don't think you can all have the same opinion on education and, and therapies and all of the things. Cause it's just, it's so diverse. Well, so everyone reacts to things so differently too. I mean, even if you're talking about your own two boys, they're very different, right? You have Avery non, non-speaking and you have Jackson who's talks about everything and knows every name of the dinosaur. So even just in your own family, you've got different needs and different obstacles to overcome, right? Between yeah. for each kid. And I agree with you. I think it's really important. I was going to ask you what your, you know, sort of where you learned and how you figured out, like, how did you figure out to keep a timer in your pocket? Was that just something sort of instinctual or was that? You know what? I get asked that so many times and I was just like, what does it hurt? Like, and I thought about it the one day because we timed, I won't take all the credit for it, but the thing is, is that we time everything in our life. Avery is very time oriented. Like he knows in the morning, like he has breakfast and and the clock shows this time. Like he's very, that's how he kind of goes through his day. So at school, um, when he was going to public school before COVID, that's how he really did his best his best in the class was that everything was time oriented. So he was in like 15 minute um, intervals. So 15 minutes in the library. And then we do 15 minutes of sorting and like everything was like 15 minutes. When he first started, it was much, much less, but a lot of trial and error and figured out that like 17 minutes is the magic number in the grocery store. And then we need to get out. So it just kind of happened. But now we probably are going to have to bring the timer back in. The timer hasn't been part of our journey here for a little bit here. We ended up getting rid of it because we weren't bringing the kids anywhere. Right. With COVID. So they weren't coming. Yeah. They weren't coming into the store or anything like that. I was just going by myself at night when my husband was home. So we kind of got rid of it. But the very few times that we have been to the store altogether, we've had a handful of really successful trips. 
where Avery actually didn't even have to be in his stroller. He didn't even have to hold my hand, which was very impressive. And I was super proud of him. But then we've had some really hard, hard goes at the store, which I think, you know, for our family, it's about navigating the situation and how many people are in the store and what store we're going to makes a huge difference. If he knows we're going to Walmart, he will be on his best behavior because he wants to get a movie out of the deal. So like, it's so funny, but he, um, he knows, like he knows people are always like, oh, they, you know, you have a boy on the spectrum or they probably don't know, like just assuming, you know, kind of their intelligence. And I hate that when people do that. And it's like, oh no, that kid will be perfect. The whole entire store, like, but we have to leave with a movie. Like he'll like steer the cart. So we get closer to the movie aisle just to remind us. Well, and it's a real misunderstanding, right? That just because a, a, a person can't speak doesn't mean they don't understand. They absolutely do. And, well, um, and we always thought they weren't listening. And I think that's something people assume that if your child is nonverbal, they're not listening. We've tested that theory many of times. <laughs> and oh no, like she knows. And um, we've like talked about plans for like, you know, in four days, me and my husband will be like, oh, in four days, we're going to the hotel and this, that, and the other thing. This kid on the fourth day or like third day, he's like, one, sleep. hotel and like he knows he knows we're going it's so funny but um they they're incredibly smart so just because you know a child is diagnosed from the spectrum people assume they're you know where their level of intelligence is at or what they can comprehend and you know for our son Avery you know he got diagnosed on verbal and we still don't know really where he's at there are days where I would say cognitively he's, you know, somewhere. And then like a week later, he'll do something. And I'm like, did you know this the whole entire time? It just, and it amazes me because their brains are absolutely fascinating how they work and what they, you know, what they absorb and what they hold on to and what's important to them. I had said uh, last year at something I was speaking at, and I said, that's the one thing The best part of autism in our family is how appreciative my, both my sons are. That is something that just amazes me. They can get something and love it for years. The the same toy doesn't want to, don't want it to be replaced. Don't want, you know, and have such a love for something. I was going to ask, you said that Avery said, uh, you know, one sleep hotel. What does he use a tool to communicate? When he was really little and really just when autism came a part of his story, he had an iPad and used an AAC device and and we went through all of that. He actually um, learned a little bit of sign and that is the one thing that is stuck with him. Just, you know, the basic ones, please more, thank you, no, there's, there's a handful of them and he'll still randomly use them. And I'm just like, where did that come from? Actually, as he got older, we found that he actually had words and things to say and to tell us. So Avery's language is actually, his vocabulary is quite large. It's getting it out. People never understand when I say that, but we did a 30 day, kind of like a 30 day chart of all the words Avery has and um, just kind of see where he's at. In 30 days, he had about 200 words, which is amazing. 
And that was now a handful of years ago. And now he would probably have double that. The problem with that is that they don't always come out. So we started using um, different strategies to get Avery's words out and for him to talk in full sentences. We got rid of the AAC device and uh, the iPad and all of that because it became more, um, for Avery anyways, more of a hassle than a tool because he didn't want to use it for that purpose. He wanted to use it to play games. He wanted to use it to go on YouTube. Like it just, it wasn't serving a purpose for us. So I had ended up seeing something. So I kind of tweaked it a little bit and started five word sentences with Avery. So if Avery wanted a cookie and he could say that word, I knew he knew that word. I would hold up my hand in front of him and I would say, okay, I want cookie, please, mom. And so now every time he talks to me, it gets old real quick. I'm going to be honest because we've been doing it for years, but he's up to like a 10 word sentence. Every sentence always starts out with I want and it ends always in please mom. In the last like two years, we've been able to exchange the words out at the end so he can say please dad, please Natalie, please Jackson. So we have came a long ways, but just talking in general when it's like not an I want sentence, he still really quite struggles and uses like pointing. He points at things and and that's his way of communicating or single words. So he'll say like pool, and I'll know he wants to go to the pool. Hotel, he wants to go to the hotel uh, park. Like, And I know what he wants by those words. For years, he never even did that. So we have came a long ways, but there is part of me that's curious to see if he stays where he's at or or if it, if it automatically changes and goes to something else. Um, because when we did get Avery diagnosed, we had a, we'll say questionable, person who um, did his assessment and said that he will never talk. She's like, prepare yourself. He will never talk. He will not say mom. He will not say dad. He's super negative, which is really hard on me. And so then I was prepared for that. I was like, he will never. So we prepared ourselves and then you know, Avery proved us wrong. And I think that's one thing out of this autism journey that I can kind of take away is that we've always been proved wrong. Both of my boys have always proved us wrong. And that's something that amazes me. We, you know, we had prepared and did so many things in our life to prepare for what they told us autism was going to look like for our family. And every turn of the way, these boys have been like, oh, no, I can do that. And I'm going to do this. And it's amazing. For us, it was it was very different than what they prepped us for. It's, it's incredible because... You do hear so much more of the, what you can't do or what they won't be able to do or what, you know, you'll never get. And like you, you said at the beginning, you know, I saw him, he was never going to graduate. He was never going to get married. He was never going to have friends. And I bet looking back now on that, it's an Mm -hmm. entirely different picture. And that's, and I think it's okay that it's always going to be a different picture. I think families have this idea that the picture you get of your life or the picture you think is going to be your life at the very start, it's okay if it changes. It's okay if things get better and it's okay if things get worse. I have many, many friends that had children that are on the spectrum that got diagnosed and and didn't get diagnosed, you know, severe and, and around the same time our Avery did. And their challenges are different than ours. And I think that's okay. Thinking that someone is better off 
everyone has hard, I guess, is my message. Everyone has a version of hard and and what they go through and that your picture is constantly changing. What I thought our life was going to look like, you know, eight years ago to what it looks like now. If someone showed me what it was right now, I'd be like, okay, well, that's not true. Like (laughs) I would have a very hard time believing them because I wouldn't believe that you know, just anything, anything. I, I know like us, me and, and, you know, what you guys do at Autism Canada, we have a great relationship and I probably wouldn't believe that, you know, we, we do things together and like, I just, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine, but as parents, I think sometimes we just succumb to believing that what the specialists and what the therapists and what the doctors tell us is 110% true and there's no way around it. I just I think that you have to have hope and you have you have to fight for a better life and that is very much what our family did. We we you know we really pushed to have a better life and for our boys to have all the things that they needed and you know for every bad day that we had as a family or or I had be it advocating or just mothering my children, I knew that it couldn't be bad forever. We we could have bad for a week, we could have bad for a month, but it won't be bad forever. And that is what kept me going because I knew the good was coming. Uh, you know, when I introduced you, I said, you're a mother and you're also an advocate, but I think the advocacy comes out of being the mother, right? You're an advocate because you're a mother and because you need to fight for your kids and because you need to share your story. And I, I mean, you have an incredible community. I know from your Facebook page and also just because of the way you reach out to people. Did you learn a lot from people in your community? And like, do you all, do you sort of share your experiences? Do you find that you're able to get, uh, I mean, I know everyone's journey is different. I understand that, but do you get, I mean, support for sure, but is it a community that sort of helps you sort of raise your kids like the village? You know, they say it takes a village to raise your kids. Is it, is it sort of a similar experience in your, in your world? You know what? I would love to say that we found our village right at the the start of it all. We didn't. I think sometimes there is this illusion. And, and I say this because we share our life online quite heavily. There's this illusion that people that live a similar life to you must be in your village. For us personally, it's not. It's not that way. We, you know, we know hundreds of people that have children on the spectrum, but they're not in our village. Um, that's not to say I wouldn't help them or wouldn't direct them or support them or anything like that. But I think a village is so, a term was so widely used, broadly used, that for us, you know, a village wasn't having the people that follow our life online. For us, a village is more personal of the people who saw that we were having a horrible stretch, you know, or I was having a tough time or I needed help with a project or whatever it may be. And they personally reached out or they showed up at our door unannounced, drop what you're doing, here we are sort of thing. Our family is lucky enough to have a village and not everyone has a village. And, And I think it takes a lot to find one because, you know, not everybody lives our life and and not everybody gets it. And simply, you know, you just might not click with everyone. And, and for us, you know, it took a really long time, really, really long time for us to find a village that we could trust. And that, you know, I 
could share all of the things and that they would stay for, they would stay for the hard. Mm. And I think that's important. So many people want to be in someone's village for all the good, all, all the celebrations, all the, every, you know, the announcements that all the exciting stuff, but there is very, very few that will stay sitting when things get hard. And our family learned that fairly early on of who was in our village and and who really wanted to help and and genuinely cared about the boys about their well-being and and wanted to support them and and would move mountains for our kids or anybody we said if we said you know there's a you know a family in Nova Scotia and you know we need to find them a therapy number like there was people right and that's important that's really really important i think i don't know i just i think that the word village families that have kids newly diagnosed cling to they, you know, they meet someone online and they're like, well, they're part of my village. They right. may have never talked to them. They have, may never met them. They've never Zoomed with them, nothing. I think it's important to have a village that's real, a village that will show up for your kids, show up for you. And if you are having, you know, the hardest of days or hardest of times, those people that are in your village are wanting to talk to you, kind of talk you off the ledge, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's a hard thing to find. You know, you do share very honestly on Facebook, like you are very honest, you tell it like it is. And I think that's incredible because a lot of people wouldn't put it out there like that and wouldn't be vulnerable like that and wouldn't be brave enough to do that. I find it really awful that people are not kind. Mm -hmm. Um, I really struggle with that because when you're doing that and you're being vulnerable and you're sharing things about yourself and your your what you're going through on a day-to-day because you do post really frequently pretty much daily I would say like I think a it's a gift to other people that you're willing to share like that and b whose business is it to judge you nobody's you know I mean why did you decide to do that why did you decide to be so honest on Facebook oh boy so it's not, I always say, oh, it's funny. It's a funny story. It's not a funny story, but here's the thing. So I come from a very, uh, an amazing family. I, I can't say, you know, anything bad. I come from a wonderful family and, and all of the things, um, but parts of my family wasn't so wonderful and, and parts of my life were, weren't so great. And the family that raised me, I was raised Catholic and I was raised that what happens in your life, you take to the grave. That was how I was raised. And I'm a very opinionated person, like very opinionated. So that was really hard for me. And I spent years, um, never sharing anything. And actually to the point where I married my husband and there was probably, I don't know, probably 12 years of my life. He knew nothing about. So it was like this dark secret that no one knew. And there was very few people that knew about a lot of things I share about online. Um, not just autism, um, about mental health, about postpartum, like all the things. And, um, I started the page because of Avery and about advocacy and, and all of that and fundraising for autism. And then, you know, I had my youngest son, Jackson, and me and my husband were going through um, a really, really hard time. And I remember having my son, Jackson, and coming out of the hospital. And Jackson had only been home for like a day. And our life started to fall apart and literally fall apart. It was it was a hot mess. And so then probably about three months after that, 
when I thought maybe like me and my husband were going to get divorced, like it was just, we were not in a good place. Autism was hard. It was all of the things. I decided I start would start sharing online. My husband was like, you probably shouldn't do that. Um, and uh, so, you know, I really eased into it. I eased into it. Um, online on our page, I eased into it and I started slowly writing articles for online communities. And I attached my name to it. I shared a lot of our story with Love What Matters. That's an online community. Um, Moms Beyond is another online community. And I slowly started to do that. And as we went kind of on with Jackson, you know, struggling a little bit and autism diagnosis, and then some other things happened in our life, I kind of was like, what the heck? Like, what do I have to lose? I'm such an opinionated person. I always tell people how you feel is what you should share with the world. So I then started share sharing. And these are things my husband never knew about. Um, so he was learning in real time with the internet. So he was That's learning. I, it was a really a roll of the dice um, <laughs> on that one. So was, so was his family. So my mother-in-law, all of them, everybody was learning in real time. Some people did really well with it. I'm really proud of them. Others, not so much. And then it just kind of spiraled. And now every so often, I will write a piece um, about my childhood. I'll write a piece about mental health, about postpartum, because I went through really hard postpartum with Avery and then also my son, Jackson. I write about my life before my husband. I had Avery um, from a previous relationship and I write about that. There's a lot of things I share about. And I think that I can share about it because I experienced it firsthand. And for so long, I kept it all in. And I think that I reached a point in my life that it just got too heavy. It was, it was, I was holding on to so much and so many things and, you know, had this idea kind of placed in my head that there should be some shame in that. Um, because I, you know, because I went through postpartum, you know, I shouldn't share that and that, you know, and just all of these things that I shouldn't share. And then when I shared them, you know, it was crazy, but I found a whole entire community of people that had went through the exact same thing, had went through, you know, postpartum, had went through mental health, you know, numerous times of dealing with something to do with their mental health, you know, and not just women, men as well. And somebody had asked me um, before COVID had started, you know, do I regret it? And then asked me again, mm, like last year, do I regret it? You know, sharing all of these things because everyone's learning in real time with, you know, rest of my family and friends and everything that didn't know any of this. And I said, like, I don't regret it. And, you know, I think there is something healing about it to share that our life was complicated. My life was hard, but none of that really mattered because even in the hardest situations, you can have a good life. And that's kind of always been my message. Like, I have, will admit I've had some of the hardest things happen to me and I've experienced some of the hardest things, but I still have a really great life. Yes, we have autism part of our, you know, our story. I've shared very openly about me and my husband's marriage and, and, you know, dodging divorce twice, third time's a charm. Well, and, and I think these things are important to talk about because, and, you know, I mean, every, I think this is the new, the new understanding, but until someone does talk about it, nobody talks about it. 
So until you know someone that you can talk to about it, it becomes a bit of a, it's a bit of a shame spiral, right? Like, oh, I had a miscarriage or I have mental health problems, but I don't want to share that with anybody because they're going to judge me. And I think that the way you put it out there and the confidence you put it out there with is surely helping so many other people understand that it's not just them and that you're right. You do have a hard day, but there's going to be a good day too. So Mm -hmm. you got to keep that keep that focus. So when someone's reading your stuff and understanding they're having a hard day, they're going to know that they're going to have a good day too. And that's so amazing. Well, and I think that it doesn't matter what you do, like, and this may sound odd, but I feel like I've been in this internet space for long enough now that it doesn't matter what you do. Um, You know, you share only the amazing. I, I could do that all day long. I could share the most amazing things and someone will be there ready to go, you know, typing something out, judging you. So I remember saying to my husband, I said, you know, I would rather people judge me for my truth that I've lived through and experienced than, you know, judge me because my floors and my house are too clean. You know, it's something like so ridiculous because no matter what in this space online, everyone's judging, you know, they will see, you know, I post that we had a hard day or, or had a hard week or that our kids didn't sleep. And they'll be so quick to judge, like, why am I, you know, helping other families out or like, why, you know, this. So it doesn't matter. And I think at the very beginning of everything, judgment hit me really hard. Like I took it personally and I was like, it affected me. And then I don't want to say that the internet hardened me because it didn't, but like I very much got a thicker skin with all of it and decided that with my husband, we had the talk and I don't think I've ever seen his eyes get so big. I was like, okay, like I'm going to share all the things online. And, you know, he'd been with me for so long that he was like, oh, like you're going to share you had oatmeal today. Like, I think he didn't really know what I meant when I said I was going to share all the things, even in the last, you know, um, I just had shared this the other day about, you know, in the last 17 months, quite a bit in the last, you know, 11 months, even more, like we, we've really, really shared a lot of things. And then with that being so open about things, we've had the opportunity and chance to share on it, share about different things on different platforms and talk about it. You know, at the very beginning, I'll be honest, it made my husband super uncomfortable. And I I tell people like, cause you know, he was learning in real time with everyone else, but then he was just like, well, how did that do on the internet today? Like you just, you know, because I said to him, I just don't want to hold it in. I said, I shouldn't have to. And I have this story that not many people have. And everybody wonders, everybody has questions because we live in a small community and, you know, people talk and, you know, they want to know like, oh, where did this girl come from? And all of these things. So this gives me a chance to be open and honest and say, like, we went through some things, some stuff happened and it just is what it is. It's part of life. Everybody has things. Everybody has stuff, you know, yeah. but it's about owning that stuff that you went through and, and sharing that stuff. And not everybody's comfortable with sharing their stuff. And, and I honestly thought I was never going to be one of those people. I was like, I am never going to share. And now you're writing a book. 
Yeah, I am. So tell me a little bit about your book and then we're going to have to come back again and do another one of these. That's amazing. So I also thought I would never be a book person, to be honest. Then as I started sharing more openly about my life, it was kind of like the floodgates opened. It was like, why have I never talked about, you know, this topic or why have I never wrote about? And there were some things that I wasn't willing to put on the internet. I was willing to share them but I wasn't willing to put them on the internet. I wanted to write them in a story because writing them as a post or doing a video, it just didn't seem partially to make sense. And also I was like, I put this on the internet. Everybody's going to have 900 questions. It wasn't what I had pictured. So everything I share online, you know, openly about, about our life and autism and marriage and everything else is not in the book. And that is what everybody is intrigued about, I guess is that there's more. How can there be more? (laughs) How can there be more? Like, who is this girl? Um, So yeah, like everything that hasn't been online yet. So it is literally like my, I don't know. It's, I don't want to say masterpiece because I feel like that's cheesy, but like it is something that I have worked so hard on and just something that I needed to do. Everybody was like, why would you do that? It was important to me. It it was something I never thought I would do. And then once I started, I was like, why? Why did I even write any posts? I could have made like a whole series here. Like (laughs) we're waiting here in the next little bit to be able to announce the name of it. So we're just super excited about it. I think everybody... I'm super excited about it. I think everyone else is super nervous about it because the internet (laughs) in the world is learning in real time. I I like to keep everyone on their feet. I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to say, you're you're a risky friend. And and I think some people are a little bit concerned. You know, um, we of course can't say names and and things like that. So it was kind of fun because we drew names out of a hat. Oh, fun, yeah. and, And kind of like joked around about it. And I just had said, you know nobody's nobody's secrets are safe when this book comes out and like everyone's like a little nervous and it's gonna be fine um it definitely shows from start to finish that you know it doesn't matter what gets thrown in your life you are in control of your life and you can you can make your life beautiful you can make your life amazing you can do all the things but you have to want it so Mm -hmm. yeah well I can't wait when's it coming out so right now we're on pending date. So for fall, but hopefully we have um, like full confirmation and um, we'll be able to announce like a physical date here soon. So, so I'm, I'm so excited. Funny. I'm, yeah. I think it'll be great. And, and something um, I don't think anyone's ever read before. So that'll be good. So for sure. It sounds like it sounds great. Um, oh, I feel like we could talk for hours and I don't want to take much more of your time up. Um, I do want to make sure, though, that we share with our community how people can connect with you, how people can follow you, because I I want people to know and I want people to be able to to read what you're writing and and hear what you're sharing, because I think it's really important. And I think, it, you know, you're an important voice in our community. And so can you share how people can follow you and do all of this? So everyone can find me online. So we have a Facebook page, A Journey for Avery. And then we also are on Instagram and it's just my name, Katie MD. And then we have an email. Um, 
account set up, journeyforavery at gmail.com, where you can submit any questions that you may have about advocacy, um, getting started yourself, advocating in your community. And then also uh, with that email, you're able to ask um, to be set up um, into our private community that we have going. And we send out monthly emails how to get just hooked up and connected with other families. And then also we send out coupon discounts to local companies in your area for weighted blankets, all kinds of good stuff. It's super exciting. We just really had started that um, in the last uh, nine months. Okay. And it's been wonderful. And um, then you can also uh, see us a little bit more active online, but also uh, through Facebook um, on my Journey for Avery page with our new project that we launched called Help Us Help More Project. I was just going to say, I wanted to talk about that too. (laughs) You know what? It's something we just started. And at the start of this journey, I was very, very active with you guys, Autism Canada, and various nonprofits and communities and all the things. And I felt like I was spreading myself so thin, but I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop helping. So we decided to have this in place where people can fill out a questionnaire every three months and get a nonprofit organization nominated to receive all the funds we raise in three months. So it's really a great way for nonprofits that exist in Canada and the U.S. to get recognized, to get, you know, communities talking about the things that they do. And I always say that I was only one person, so I could only do so much. So that's why we uh, named it Help Us Help More Project. We want to be able to help as many people as possible. And we just know that there are so many just amazing, amazing places that exist that are doing fantastic work. And we want to be able to um, make sure they do that really great work to help everyone. I honestly don't know how you do all the things that you do. Homeschooling your kids, I mean, you do, you are a, you're an inspiration, truly. I am so grateful you're part of our community and I'm so grateful you took this time to talk to me today. We are going to talk again. We're definitely going to talk again when your book comes out. Um, So I think for tonight, we're going to, we're going to call it because I know, you know, life, but uh, thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you in person and well, in person on zoom and, uh, and to hear so much about your story. So really appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned for more episodes of Sharing the Spectrum and Autism Canada podcast. The beautiful music you heard is from Bruce Pethrick. Bruce is a neurodiverse musician and friend of Autism Canada. You can check out more of his music on his website at brucepethrick.com. Our executive producer is Barbara Patton. Julie Perkis is our producer. Additional thanks to the Autism Canada team, including Tafari Anthony, Shannon Selinski, Dominique Payment, Mariana Kurek, and Earl Selinski. For more information about Autism Canada, don't forget to visit us at autismcanada.org. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.